888-344-0303. Call now, because this is the Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Hump Day Wednesday. And joining us in studio now is Megan Sullivan. She is the Vice President for Government Affairs for the Vermont Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. It's great to be back with you. Great to have you back. As Thanks always. for coming in. And um, so let's. Uh, so the legislative session is coming up pretty quick now. I mean, once the holidays are over, January third, I think the fun all begins again. Oh yeah. Well, and it, you know, it'll begin. Um, the session will begin for real then. But we were all in a couple weeks ago for the all member briefing. So that sort of gets you. Gets you back in the mode of right. being in the state house, talking to legislators about the pressing issues Vermonters are facing. And what um, what came out of that? What, what would you say were the biggest things you took out of that? Out of the all member briefing, I think you know you you see the agenda and understand you know what it is that um, legislators are going to be thinking about, talking about what's the priority, and and of course housing was a big piece. Um, talking to. Um, a panel of housing experts, legislators heard what's going on in housing, how are programs going now, um, and what do we need to continue to do? What are some innovative ways we can really try to approach the housing crisis? Um, and and so I think that'll continue to be top of mind for legislators and for Vermonters as we head into the session. It'll certainly be a top priority for the Vermont Chamber. And they just got some news. Remind me how this worked. They just got some news that seemingly has both sides, uh, business groups and the environmental groups, uh, agreeing with an approach uh, on how to reform Act 250. Yeah, so this um, was a study that the legislature asked um, the Natural Resource Board, who oversees Act 250, to do um, out of last session. I think it actually started two sessions ago. Um, I was on the steering committee for that, and I can tell you I spent about Seven months in lots and lots of meetings, talking with stakeholders um, from around the state and, and the steering committee of really diverse perspectives. Um, so whether it's conservationists or the business community, the development community, planners, um, having really tough conversations around how do we uh, move Act 250 forward in a way that addresses the uh, implications for the housing crisis, um, as well as protects our natural resources. So, you know, I think... Um, a good compromise came out of that on a lot of important issues in Act 250. There's going to be a public hearing tomorrow night from 5.30 to 7.30 for um, people to talk about, you know, what their concerns are, what their questions are, their comments, um, and what, as well as uh, NRB is accepting comments on uh, in writing for that. And we know last year that the League of Cities and Towns was not supportive uh, they liked some things, but they didn't like this. what seemed like they were giving up loss of local control, they felt like. Well, they weren't getting the changes that they wanted in regard to Act 250. Um, can you crystallize for us uh, what the compromise was, basically? Sure. Yeah, so last year in uh, the bill that passed, the home bill, um, S-100, there was a lot of work done on what communities need to do, how we're going to make sure that on the municipal level we're not putting uh, rules in place that are really prohibitive to building dense housing um, where it can fit. And knowing that this Act 250 study was coming, the legislature, um, you know, I think held off on doing some of the needed improvements to Act 250 because they wanted to see what the steering committee came out with. Um, and what that report looks like is moving Act 250 to a location-based 
So if you're in an area with zoning and subdivision, you have infrastructure, um, you have staff capacity, you're doing all the things that Act 250 are doing. Act 250 just becomes redundant, added time, added cost. So the recommendation is in those areas, you should be exempt from Act 250. And there needs to be a mapping process to know what are those areas, but it has to be areas where we know that that's where we want development now and also over the next 20 years. It has to be areas that are resilient, so we're not just saying, well, let's keep building housing and floodplains um, so that there can be real opportunity for housing growth. We know Act 250 isn't the only problem, but that's a piece of it. And so it does give more um, local control, really, uh, to those that are already established and that have been doing it locally. Right. So those communities that have that expertise, that have the infrastructure, um, that have those planning pieces in place um, saying, yeah, go for it. Do, you know, pass these uh, housing opportunities, review the developments, uh, make sure that they're complying with um, everything that we need. But let's not make them do it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would suspect that the leagues of cities and towns probably feel a lot more represented uh, after the this compromise. Yeah. And there was, um, there was a, a community planner, a city planner on the steering committee, um, as well as a regional planner. So, you know, the planning voice, um, was there as well as a, a town manager who also works in uh, working lands. Do you think that there's a chance that this will be adopted this year during the session? We certainly hope so. I mean, the other piece of the compromise is that in areas that are undeveloped, um, where we're seeing, uh, Folks who say, you know, if I build nine units of housing every five miles, every five years, I won't trigger Act 250. So they build nine, yeah. and then they move five miles and build another nine. They're scattered all and over so the state. And so that becomes scattered development. And yeah. conservationists are also saying, like, geez, that's not working for us. So, you know, in, in those uh, less developed areas, we're looking at um, adding a road rule that says if you build 1,999 feet of new road and driveway— you won't be triggering Act 250. If you go over that, you will be triggering Act 250. And that's to encourage dense development um, and reduce forest fragmentation. And we occasionally have callers call in that will say, look, changing Act 250 like this is going to mean it's going to ruin the pristine beauty of the state of Vermont. There's going to be development all over the place. Uh, but really, this is about trying to encourage the development where you want the development, right? That it doesn't ruin Vermont's landscape. Right, exactly. That that we're encouraging where we want it, and that when um, rural development happens, that we're encouraging density in that development. Um, so, you know, I think it's a good compromise with lots of people at the table. There are still a lot of details that need to be worked out. Um, but I think, you know, our hope is that we're going into the legislature, whether, you know, it's the Vermont Chamber and the Vermont um, Natural Resource Council, VNRC, you know, at the table together saying we hashed a lot of this out. Um, but it has to be a package deal. It can't be sort of an a la carte. Well, we want we want the road rule, but we don't want exemptions. Um, so you think, I mean, we'll find out, but you think it's potentially they've hit the sweet spot, found the sweet spot? I think we've certainly made a lot of progress. Um, again, those details have to be worked out. Um, but I think a really good progress on compromise was made that um, supports both housing development, and uh, protecting natural resources. Megan Sullivan from the Vermont Chamber of Commerce. All right, uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. You're on the air, caller. All right, well, let's go to the next Could line. Have been. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. Um, 
one of the primary concerns about 250 is not these kind of nibbling around the edges things, but it's, it's the appeal process. Um, it's so lengthy and so burdensome. It, it takes, it can take up to 10 years for something to get approved. And as really the only people that, that are able to, you know, build anything really have, you know, tons of capital. It really favors corporate development over, you know, local development simply because they've got more capital to last through the appeal process. Um, is, is there any sort of, concern about moving uh, changing the appeal process to limit that megan good question the appeals process uh how burdensome cumbersome and redundant it can be at times yeah this was a tricky part of the the conversation you know i think first and foremost if you're exempt from act 250 it means that um you know someone can't sue you for your development through act 250 because you're exempt so that's one way of getting the appeals um you know, not happening on projects that are happening in areas that we're saying this is where we need to be growing. Um, in terms of, you know, if if things are going to be appealed under Act 250, um, we really would like to work with the courts to how do we make this more efficient. I think our courts are, um, like everywhere, are dealing with workforce shortages and, and backups, um, but keeping appeals in the court system is important because these are legal reviews, um, and and so we know that if a uh, review is happening, we want someone uh, in the environmental court to be doing that in a unbiased way. Um, but the timing absolutely has to be dealt with. We can't be having appeals go this long. Hopefully, with these exemptions, we're going to be lessening how many things are going to appeal. And I think the legislature may be looking at other ways um, to deal with. Um, I don't want to use the word frivolous, but um, appeals that are being done for purposes that aren't, you know, in the best interest of Vermont. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, two minute break and the McKenzie Country Classic Hotlines open. Taking calls after the break. Triple eight four one four. Follow them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. We are back, and we're continuing our discussion now with Megan Sullivan. She's the Vice President of Government Affairs for the Vermont Chamber of Commerce. And if you have a question for Megan, give us a call. Give us a call now on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. Megan, what else will be high on the agenda for the Chamber this year? Obviously, housing and workforce housing in particular, too, right? Yeah, housing, workforce housing. You know, we, we've we done a lot in the state to work on addressing um, subsidized low-income housing, um, sheltering the homeless, and those are incredibly important um, for our state. But we also need to do work around how do we incentivize private developers to get back to building um, workforce housing because we know right now it's really tricky. If it costs you $500,000 to build a home, we can't ask you to sell it for 400000 or 350000 So. Um, what are some of those cost levers that we can help alleviate? Things like permitting when it's redundant. Um, those are costs that we don't need to be adding to each unit of housing. Um, so looking really closely at those ways where we can help reduce costs so that more developers are able to build housing for workers, housing for seniors, um, because we need the continuum. People have to be able to move out of subsidized housing into a condo, an apartment, a single-family home, um, and then when they're right. ready to retire, we 
we still want them to be part of our community. Um, are we providing homes that they might want to move into and open up a large single family home that they're just sick of cleaning, honestly? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so, so that's really going to be a focus. You know, I think another key point is we have a lot of goals in the state. We've got a climate action goal. We've got an energy efficiency goal. We've got a child care goal. And when we have these goals in place, when legislation comes out, we say, okay, well, how is this going to help us reach our goal? We don't have a housing goal. So when we pass legislation, we can say, well, you know, pat on the back. That that was great. Um, but we don't know if it's actually helping move the dial. So we're going to be really pushing to say, you know what, housing is a critical need for Vermonters. It's been made loud and clear. We need to put a goal in place. Um, the Vermont Futures Project has a really data-driven goal of uh, 350,000 units of housing by 2035. And so that's 80,000 additional units in the state. And so it's an aggressive number um but that's what we need to be measuring our success against um how about business success what is what will the chamber be pursuing in terms of helping business strengthening business making business be able to thrive yeah we know businesses are such a critical part of the vermont community we have so many small businesses in the state who are great employers and are doing great things um for vermont and um we also know that there are some changes coming in 2024 that they need to prepare for. It's been a pretty rocky couple of years with COVID, interest rates, uh, supply chain issues, workforce challenges. Uh, businesses are struggling. And uh, in 2024, uh, as businesses are getting ready to file their 2023 tax returns, they're going to see some changes to corporate income tax law that was passed in 2022. For some businesses, that's going to mean a a hefty increase. Some may see a decrease, but there are other pretty significant changes that are, are coming through that. Um, we're also going to see the first payroll tax coming through in July of this right. year. So while legislators passed those things two years ago, one years ago, that's, you know, check that box, it's done. Businesses aren't going to face that until this year, and it's going to take time to absorb those changes. What are your members saying? Um, have you seen them, I, I don't know how many members of the Vermont Chamber have multiple locations around the country, some of the larger companies that are members, uh, or I know three or four smaller companies that are literally moving or leaving or closing. What do you hear from your members about those things and their planning for the future and how it affects them, including Vermont, in those plans? I think it's challenging, right? Because those those other factors that I talked about are there as well. Our workforce challenge in Vermont is is tough to deal with. So if you know that it, you know, you're going to open a location in North Carolina and you're going to be able to fill 200 jobs pretty easily, um, and if you are working in Vermont, it's going to be a lot harder to fill those jobs. Um, plus, when you're attracting people, they're looking at you know, what is, what's the tax burden? Um, and we can see that in the migration data in the nation. Um, I'm told often, well, if we do this, that will attract people to Vermont. We're going to pass this payroll tax, but it's going to do something really good that will attract people to Vermont. But we don't tell anybody when we do these things. We just expect people to know. Well, you know, I don't know what any other state in the nation is doing, well, I know, but most people <laughs> don't right, know right. what other states in the nation are doing on child care. Um, but when you look at where migration trends are, are happening, people are moving to places like Texas and Florida. Now, we don't want to become Texas and Florida, but we have to understand that 
that people are concerned about taxes and where they live. And in relation to taxes, I mean, we know there's, as you mentioned, new payroll tax. Uh, there are other things that make Vermont expensive. And now the tax commissioner, who is going to be coming on the show right after you, uh, has put out the December 1st letter basically saying that if things stay as they appear now, and there were no changes, all the school spending came in as, as they think it will, you're looking at a potential 18.5% tax property tax increase for Vermonters. That's got to weigh on people too, doesn't it? That weighs huge on people. Um, 18.5% in one year. And last year it was, I think, 8.5%. So, you know, we're not talking that this is an isolated once-in-a-decade increase. We are continuing to see these increases. Um, you know, and, and when you hear, well, the school spending is going up because the teacher's contract, um, health care is going up. And when you talk to hospitals and say, okay, what's going on with costs? Well, we have massive staffing shortages. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to bring in traveling nurses uh, because there's no housing. You know, it's it's really cyclical. We we need to be able to address a lot of problems at once. Um, but doing it by continuing to just raise taxes on Vermonters is not sustainable and is not going to help us achieve those outcomes that we need. Megan, almost out of time. Anything else high on the Chamber's agenda? Uh, you know, I think our last... Um, sort of pillar of opportunity that we're looking at is really around recovery and resiliency. We know that um, more and more of these weather events are going to happen like happened in July. And we need to do a lot to help businesses and our communities become more resilient um, to mitigate these disasters in the future so that our downtowns are able to uh, rebound, rebuild quickly, um, that our that our response at the state and regional levels um, is informed by by what's happened in the past. Um, so that's, you know, we know will be top of priority in the legislature and will be for us as well. Megan Sullivan, she is Vice President for Government government Affairs for the Vermont Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for being on the Morning Drive today and uh, good luck in the upcoming session. It's coming up fast now. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And, and thanks for all your work on the Act 250, uh, just pulling everybody together. Yeah, and happy to, to talk to folks about that. Um, feel free to have uh, reach out to me. My information's right on the Chamber website. Beautiful. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with uh, 